0: Hi there viewers and listeners, welcome back to another movie review from 11 to 8 We are back on Bond tonight. We are talking about GoldenEye, 1995 release. And we've got the usual, Justin and Samir with us, but we've also got Henry back from The Bond Geek. Yeah, we invited him back because GoldenEye, that was his, um, well, it's the first James Bond movie you ever watched, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, it was the first James Bond film I saw at the age of four years old.
0: Yeah. So we thought, you know, why not invite him on and uh, we'll just discuss it and take it from there. We discover that there is a crime syndicate that's kind of closely tied to splinter factions of the Russian government. I believe I'm getting that right. Um, There's a bit of agent, double agent and crossing, uh, double crossing going on in this movie as well. And we learn that uh, there is a, a, it's like a, a weapon that's floating around in space that can shoot down EMP pulses and completely take out electronics <clears> and stuff like that. So potentially could destroy the world. And obviously Bond's involved isn't he? I mean, you know, he's sent off to go and sort it all out like he usually is and that. And what uh, kind of shenanigans happen? Cast, all right? Now, this is a big one, actually, the cast. I'm only going to do six, though, and you can look up the cast yourself. There's so many people in this, so many actors that could be mentioned. But Pierce Brosnan, this is his debut as Bond. So he comes in and replaces Timothy Dalton. Isabel Skropoko, I think that's how you pronounce that. We're going to say Scrotum then. Scro- Scro- <laughs> Isabella Scroton. yeah. <laughs> she plays these sort of, uh, she plays like a Russian programmer in this and she's kind of love love interest in, in this. You know, there's always <clears throat> one in a Bond film. Uh, Fanky Jensen, she plays a Russian uh, <clears throat> uh, assassin, I believe she is. Sean Bean plays Alec. Trevelyan uh, actually 006 Joe Don Baker makes a return what movie was that he was in before? Living, Living Daylight
1: Light. Brad Whitaker.
0: that's it, thank you yeah he makes a return and he plays a CIA agent called Jack Wade and we have a debut of Judy Dench who is the new M okay well that's the cast done so usually about this time I hand over to Samir for some uh, dubious facts and um, <laughs> half truths so Samir, what have you got?
2: Number one budget was sixty million. Number two, it made three hundred and fifty-six point four million in the at the box office. Bottom line, I think uh, you know my accountant said on my, I'll say well done to them. The shame thing was Tim Dalton actually wanted to return for this movie. The producers wanted him back, and because there was a, such a big gap, I think there was a five five year gap, uh, and six years till the movie would come out and. He wanted to do his third one which was going to be lady of the property and eh yeah. what uh, other way around
1: yeah, property of a lady
2: property mm. of the lady yep sorry um first correction yes. first correction yes <laughs>
1: <laughs> so that saved He's going to kill later. me by the end of this video after I keep going correction
2: <laughs> so basically he said to uh, Chubby uh, Broccoli, as Justin calls him. Uh, Cubby Broccoli, that, okay, yeah, I'm happy to come back, do my one movie, and uh, goodbye. But he basically said, no, you need to do multiple ones. And um, he said, do I have to? He goes, okay, I'll tell you what, I'll retire from this. Part is 007. And that's what happened. Uh, And that's why we got a new Bond. People don't realise, Pierce Brosnan was always going to replace... Dalton anyway because he was already, he had signed a contract for Living Daylight but Remington still had a clause and they uh, sort of uh, took advantage of that clause when those last three days of it left, so he never got the part so essentially he had basically was favoured to take over and he was going to take over but at the same time they thought okay let's test other guys out so they went back to Mel Gibson which I do not get why in 95 they did, because by that time, I don't think Mel Gibson would have been a good Bond, personally. I think He'd he was a big name like... at
1: the time. I mean, you must remember, like, yeah, great was a mega name. coming out. Um, I mean, yeah. still to this day, Mel Gibson, I think, is a really, really, actually really good actor when he's given his great material. I love him as a director, even, yes. you know, even so. So but I think, yeah, he was a big name at the time.
2: Very big name, and I don't think the Bond uh, producer really could have paid him at the time because of the mm-hmm. way they wanted to restrict the budget on the Bond movie because it was a risk. Um, so, but the other person they um, also asked was he, Hugh Grant. I can't really imagine him. Saying Bond, James yeah. Bond, without saying oh, a Bond, James Bond.
0: if it isn't too much trouble, if you could possibly, um, you know, uh, break break yourself away from your drink, yeah. I'd like to introduce. But yeah, just that yeah. work. Yeah. It? Would you like? Yeah, would work.
1: Names? Would you like two more yeah. names if they aren't on your list? I've got, I've got, I've got another name. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, I, I missed out quite a few because there was there was not there was five or six. Actually, uh, Liam Neeson was yeah. also uh, involved in. And the sad part is he wanted the part, he would have taken the part, but his wife, Natasha Richardson, said, if you take the part, we're gonna divorce. That's it. You're not gonna play bond. Simple as that. Fucking you know, that's a bit strong, isn't it? it? Sounds like you were there for that.
3: No, <laughs> he, he mentions <laughs>
1: well, it. He, men- he mentions wow. that it
2: quite a few
1: So she sorry? she didn't want him to be away for so long because no, Yeah, that's know, right. Yeah, yeah. It does hurt a relationship when you're away f- for so long, they say in the stuff, and you know he basically chose Love over Bond, which is fair enough. What
2: you've so missed so out Well, I would, have, I, I would have chosen Bond over Love, mate, because being <laughs> Bond is uh, lots. It means a big deal to me if they ever gave me the part.
1: You've missed out, <laughs> you've missed out actually a poor name who was a contender for Bond. No, I, yeah, Sam Neil. Sam Neil was...
2: On, on, no, that was Living Daylights. No, but he was again oh, yeah. uh, considered in this in uh, effect. But I don't know who else. These were the ones... Uh... Sean Bean. Yes, Sean yeah. Bean, you're right. Yeah, he was. Yeah. He, was, he, was uh, the,
1: he was the backup if and said no, but they loved him so much, they decided to actually put him in the movie still, obviously, as the villain. Would have been interesting. I would have loved it.
2: Another hmm. uh, another effect I've got, which is not really well online, but do you remember there was a Doctor Who movie where Paul McGannon played yeah. the part? Yeah. He was totally actually yeah. the second... Yeah, he was the second choice, actually. So if Peter Brosnan had said no, he would have, he had already signed a contract saying, yeah, I'll take over the part. But you're right. At the same time, Sean Bean was in there. And I think it was between those two. Number seven, John Woo turned down the chance to actually direct GoldenEye. He said, thanks, but no thanks. Uh, and I understand why he wanted to make it more rougher and tougher. And at the time, I don't think the Bond producers wanted to take that sort of risk the other amazing fact was the Rolling Stones was asked to actually write and sing the Bond song and they said nah it's not for us we're not that sort of we're too cool for that not only that they did. were coming back up... yeah it would have been quite interesting Rolling Stones and components to Live and Let Die because he had X-Beatle doing it obviously and then having the Rolling Stones doing it it would have been that sort of contest between two legends from the 60s but they said no we're too cool for this and on the top, the one who screams every time she kills people, like she's having an orgy, and she is, she did her own stunts when uh, doing the Ferrari scene, uh, <laughs> driving the Ferrari, and she did a, a, quite, a, quite a few of them. Another what fact stunt? that I've not... Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on.
0: Let's, let's not leave that. Let's not let that one go. What
1: do you mean their own stunts? The, um Funky Yasmin cu- was, like, so into the film, everyone was... Yeah. This- Everyone in behind the scenes was talking about we just got to go hell for leather, just really go into it. So, there's you know, there's scene in the bath, sort of touch bath, where they're Bond and mm. on top of fighting. Mm. Literally, yeah. they both agreed, let's just go at it both together. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, yeah, broke
0: ribs. I was specifically referring to the Ferrari bit.
1: Mm.
2: Yeah, she did the driving it? as well. As right, well, did. she guess... did this, although yeah, she, she did...
3: didn't towards the end because she smashed up the, the bit where she cuts the corner on the gravel. She yep. actually spun it and the DB5 hit the Ferrari. They only had one yes. DB5 and one Ferrari. They had to work through the night to repair them to showroom condition to carry on filming. And they said, You're yes. not getting back in it to finish this off.
2: Yeah, another fact is like, you know, that scene where they end up on top of uh, Monaco, it's not because their actual road is a famous uh, winter rally road in Italy and it doesn't end up in Monaco at all. It doesn't show up. So that was actually most of it was shot in Italy and then at the end they just put the screen or whatever, green screen or CCG or whatever it's called um, CIG or whatever it's called uh, blue screen CGI They're
1: CGI, <laughs> CGI every, every version <laughs> you know except what? the right one you know what? we've had, we had Lady of the Property we've had yeah. IGC <laughs> and then GCI you know. so tell, tell me something, what other facts do you know about 070?
2: is 070 125 436 that's his uh, universal exports phone number okay so in this movie the director did not like smoking so they gave Bond Bond gave up smoking in this movie which I think was wrong because it was anti-smoking because Bond is a 70 year smoke. Well,
3: we said that in the last movie review. That was the last Bond where you see Bond
2: smoking. Yeah, Yeah, he smokes cigar, but not Oscar cigarette. I mean, does it take Uh, to his character that he has to smoke? I mean,
1: it's
0: a
2: bit... Well, yes, because uh, Fleming wrote him as uh, a character that smoked. Why don't we say... The amount of uh, shit he used to eat, the amount of drinks he hmm. used to have, and the amount of smoking he did, Bond would have been dead by his <laughs> 45th birthday, right? He wouldn't have been jumping over fences or anything because he would have been just out of shape, out of breath every second. The tank scene took four weeks to shoot. That was one of the hardest things they had to do. And it was done in Austria, uh, Vienna, not in um, St. Petersburg, as you may think.
3: Some of it was.
2: Some of it, but majority was done
3: hmm.
2: there. Justin, for fuck's sake, but do you have actually, to always come out?
3: Yeah, because <laughs> actually the majority of it was actually filmed at Pinewood. Actually, if we're talking about yeah. the majority of that scene, was built at Pinewood, but I'll come on to that.
2: The great thing about this movie, it was the first movie that was completely not done based on uh, any Ian Fleming's uh, books, but it was named after two things. His house in Jamaica that he had built in 45, where he basically didn't have any money, but he came from an aristocratic uh, family who are in the banking business Fleming Bank, Merchant Bank. So he got that money and built this beautiful place called GoldenEye with a private beach. And it's shown a few times in another movie, a TV movie called GoldenEye, the story of Ian Fleming, in, made in 87 with Charles Dance. Great movie. I remember watching that as a kid. And the other reason why, good. and the other uh, yeah, it's really good. The other reason is it was also named after operation um, that he actually worked on during the Second World War, which was named GoldenEye as well. So they are the two things that the movie was named after. So and that's you, all
1: my facts. Did you say that this is the first Bond film not based on any of Ian Fleming's literature? Sorry, what was your fact about that? Because just, I wasn't just—I just want to check back, check that one.
2: Mm. So this is what I found out. It was the first movie where it was completely not based on Ian Flemings. Although there was one thing they're saying that was actually... They contradicted that in the facts as well, where it was meant to be a um, property of the lady bit in it as well, but most of it was used, and it was
1: Goldfinger. So I don't know what facts are right. I was going to say for that, this is just, just me being wrong. Obviously, The Spy Who Loved Me, the film... Um, they were allowed to use the title, but Fleming made it very clear that no one was allowed to use anything else from the novel. Now, I don't know if you guys read the novel. The novel was completely different. I mean, literally a complete one hundred and eighty. So, I for that fact, just just maybe me being me, pure mm-hmm. fact, I'd say "Spy Love Me" was probably the first film that was completely original. Yeah. But I get where you come. I get where that fact is coming from because technically, "Spy yeah. Love Me" is still the name of a Bond book, at there's "Golden Eyes" okay. that's just me being me. Not-
2: well yeah, I know um... what you're saying because uh, the books are completely different. It's like you only live twice, and all of them are completely different to movies in most, fe- in most bits. Mm-hmm.
0: You mentioned The Spy Loved Me, then it would be being a complete 180. Why was that?
1: What, well, The Spy Love did... Me, There's um, the book is separate in three parts. It follows first off a lady who is um tra- trailing sort of documents. Bond doesn't come into like the second third of the novel. Um, and it's just more about her journey through it. Um, and it's all about Bond, you know, having a night with her, and this hence the spy who loved me. Um, mm-hmm. it's not really the spy loved me novel is not really actually about Bond at all. In the novel, there's no like there is a mention there is a mention in the novel about a man with metal teeth, the inspiration mm-hmm. for Jaws, but there's no like mm-hmm. Strongberg, Leparis, Paris. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no like um connection with her there. I mean, it is a complete 180, and to be honest, it's probably one of Fleming's it's not one of Fleming's weakest books or stories by any stretch. It's a good, like, read. But, um, you know, if you read it, you'd go, no way. You know, you can understand <laughs> you would not turn any of that into a movie. All
0: right. Well, uh, thanks for that, Samia. Thanks for the facts. Some good talking points.
3: Right. The first thing I should say about this film is that the time you've watched it, in like the keen eye that I tend to and then depending on where you read and where you research there are well over a hundred continuity errors and mistakes. I, I'm not gonna do every one of them because that would just be me reading it. So uh, I'm literally not, uh, uh, 101 not, of them no no I'm not gonna count down 101. <laughs> Maybe for another video. Maybe we'll do another video. But I, I think just the I, I'm just gonna stick to the obvious one. So the tank scene I only want to mention the tank scene because that was a, a really big thing. Um, whether it I mean it's, it, there's arguments how long it took to film but let's just say it was the one of the longest filmed prepared pre-prepared sequences of any Bond so far because it, it, the Russians wouldn't let them drive a tank around St Petersburg so what they did was that they built a huge set at the back of the 007 stage in, in Pinewood they built effectively, uh, a number of streets uh, of St. Petersburg. So they could ram the tank through the walls and do whatever they wanted to do without causing problems. So hence why, if you look very carefully, a lot of the background cars are always the same. Um, Perrier Water paid an absolute fortune mm. to provide the truck with the cans, uh, but they were absolutely adamant uh, that they wanted to uh, collect everything up so they couldn't be sold for profit later or be claimed um like um, props or whatever the case may be um, but the tank was very real all of the cars were were very real the crushing was all very real um, but obviously the continuity is when you break through a wall, the bricks are on it the bricks disappear um, it, there was no way that he would have got into that tank and, and got it started in that space of time and then know how to drive it and then load it and fire it, it that was all a bit <laughs> rubbish but of course it's a film and it's an action film so you, you let all that go um, but the very, the very opening sequence with the dam—it was a real shame. And I remember this when I very first watched it, and it was a shame that I got reminded of it this time. That even at the very first moment, you know it's not Bond; it's a stuntman, um, his hair's all too bouffant, um, etc. But the point with that dam thing, in my mind, is completely irrelevant. Because he goes down the dam, and at the very end when he comes out, he's coming out like on top of a mountain on a runway. But yet he's gone down many hundreds of feet on a dam. So, And at no point did you see him climbing hundreds of feet back up to a mountain to go on a runway to jump off to go and get a plane. So the, the geography was all wrong of that, of that opening sequence. Uh, and as he flies away with the plane, because they built a huge set, um, and it was an remote-controlled plane, or cgi whatever, all the people running up the runway with the motorbikes had all gone in the scene as he flies away, and then you get the opening sequence.
1: It's really hard to remember that. A bit like, in, You know how in Love Me, the jump off the, the cliff was like a metaphor, if you will, for like Cobbly Broccoli just jumping out into the abyss and going at it alone? Yeah. This is mm-hmm. like, if you will, a jump going into, you know, this is the next generation of Broccoli and stuff, taking it over, and can Bond survive? Okay, I suppose I hadn't really looked at it yeah. like that. Like, yeah, I that's mean, pretty, pretty deep,
3: deep thinking, though.
0: that, that
1: is it? quite deep thinking.
3: I'm not going like, Deeper than I would. The commentary
1: is think, but... it has. They did say that a bit in the commentary. And they wanted a stunt that was really quite a jaw dropping right yeah, at the okay. beginning, and that's why they did it. And to be honest, you know, as a, when I first saw it, and we'll get into it later, it was quite a visual thing for me to watch. But you know, you are right with the geography about that.
3: Well, and also, if you if you think about that jump with the, uh, the dam is actually on the camera, so the dam is sort of yeah. is, is arcing out, isn't it? Yeah. So, and part of the fact, that it would have to be a bungee cord that he's using. When that thing snapped, it would have thrown him straight into the fucking dam anyway. It would have snapped the thing, yeah. and it would and
2: it would have gone. But smack. it's a About ten thousand people since the move have actually jumped from that spot. Oh yeah, it's a the track. With or without right, the,
3: well. the attachment.
2: With the attachments. I hope so, anyway. It's, yeah, a, it's, a, it's a popular suicide Ooh. point. Yes. Yes.
3: Piers Brosnan also, I don't know whether it's because he just wanted to sort of look a bit heroic after Timothy Dalton mm. had, had done so many of his own stunts that Piers Brosnan wanted to do the same. Um, but it was very true in this instance as well that Piers Brosnan wanted to do as much as he was physically allowed or was he physically able. Um, and, you know, there was other members of the crew, uh, like on a top, that wanted to do that. Um, which is always fine until things go wrong and, and smashing up cars. And then when you're trying to shoot a film and then have to spend all that money repairing them um, it is kind of brings an end to that. But the thing with that Ferrari uh, was that all the time it was racing it was a red Ferrari with a beige interior after the scene in the casino uh, where she drives off uh, when he turns up and he goes sort of looks and thinks, Oh, that's the same Ferrari. Uh, it's a black interior. Um mm-hmm. When, the, uh, when they're in the helicopter and he headbutts the um, the switch and they eject, uh, you can clearly see it's two massive white parachutes that come out, but as it comes down and it falls to the ground, they're red and white parachutes. And similarly, in the plane that they fly over the pond, when it gets shot down, um, it's a white and maroon when he gives, takes it off the CIA guy, but as it's crashing, it's a white and red. And you can't it's so quick that you can't tell the call sign on the back, but it certainly looks like the call sign is different. So it, I just think getting now getting to that point, I think those sort of things shouldn't be coming in errors anymore. I, I expect as these films draw on that we don't continue to see those those sorts of errors. Is all I can is all I can say. And the one probably that bugs me the most about this film, and I don't know whether any of you noticed this or Henry, you might agree with me on this, but at the very end, when he lands in the field and Matey Boy appears and he goes and he signals the marines where the fuck did those helicopters come from yes and you would have heard them yes no, it's just yeah. like yes. and and did they hear his whistle and go and suddenly i
2: let that but one sing.
1: go i let that one go just for sort of fun ending you know what i mean just one of those fun sort of you know just no. oh, that's a bit of a laugh at the end of the movie no, but sorry, that
2: is typical bloody Americans. Let the British finish off the job and we'll turn up. Come I on. Just,
3: it was it was ridiculous.
2: Yeah, well, but this is the thing uh, that really annoyed me. In real life, if you've got so many troops or commandos, you're not going to wait for a double O agent or a secret service agent to finish off the job, try to make love to a woman and then go, hi guys, there's thousands of, 500 of us here who could have helped you out. Come on. Fun fact, when, they, like, when gone, they jumped but... out of
3: the helicopter, you, sh- you should have yeah. heard like a... <laughs> Yeah, you know, because I do I know not that they're jumping on one of these dudes in a ghillie suit? Mm. Oh, You're fuck. probably dead,
1: and the guy's just going,
3: it sound <laughs> fucking right in my bollocks.
1: Oh my He's god, bad. they're actually doing it right on top of me. Should I move? Should I not move? <laughs> oh, what's that? Oh, 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 hello. Is Ooh. it wrong that I'm getting a stiffy from this? <laughs> <laughs>
3: Not yeah. good. Yes. And also the, the missile that they fired out of the thing to that plane, when that, all that was drained, where the water, yeah, was there, there wasn't a guy with a little bazooka underneath that it was under, where the fuck did that come from?
2: From the base? There was a base, base underneath space. the satellite. It was a huge dish. Yeah, but there's a huge dish. Yeah. But the, yeah. The,
3: the, the
0: biggest problem I had with that, with the missile, was it didn't blow that plane to pieces.
1: My biggest complaint is it didn't blow up the bloody BMW. <laughs> oi steady on trust me you're gonna kill me when i get to be
3: that bmw it's also not factually as well in the german version of this you don't see 006 shot at the beginning you only see him die at the end and then they cut the bit falling on him completely i don't know why in the german version they did that but and really to be honest i, I could go on and on with counting down on, on these, but I think I just wanted to cover the main ones that may be mm-hmm. topic. We might cover a few more on the final thoughts uh, in all of that. Oh, the only all other right. thing I did want to say was about the space bit. Did they just borrow that from Moonraker? No. No. Because we've moved on quite a few years from Moonraker. I'm sure we established that the planet isn't blue quite like that. And I'm sure we could have done something better with a prop that I think looked like or was borrowed from Moonraker i'm sure there was something that fired a laser that looked exactly like that
1: Look at the price no, at least it wasn't dynam- diamonds are forever bad yeah. well
3: no but i think they could have done i think they could have done better we've been in space quite a few times come 95 i think we could have done they could have cgied actually a proper looking planet
0: Everyone keeps mentioning Final Force. So let's
1: get on. Oh, I've got to talk about my personal history here, but I've got to talk about it for you guys, just for your entertainment value. Right, I'll just crack open all on this heavy personality. But guys, um, Gold and I used to say this you mentioned at the beginning, this was the my very first Bond film. I saw it at four years old, actually. My mum rented this film for my older brother, who's three years older than me. We actually rented two Martin Campbell movies that year. That's on that that day. We rented GoldenEye and The Mask of Zorro. So I saw them both over the same weekend. Great weekend, by the way. Um, And I always remember my mum literally let me watch GoldenEye with my brother, saying, She said, right, this is a story about a secret agent who saves the world. His name is James Bond. You might enjoy this my mum was thinking four years old, this is just going to go over my head. Pre-credit sequence was just literally blew my mind. So yeah, that was, that was like utterly like, you know, was. Right. I mean, to my day, my parents literally still this day go, why did we rent GoldenEye from Blockbuster? Why did we rent GoldenEye from Blockbuster? <laughs> After all the times I've annoyed them over the years about Bond. Um, but the one I know you're all going to love is obviously being four years old, you don't really know much about the world, do you? So, mm, I, for no. instance, I didn't know what sex was, okay? okay. Um, it wasn't those times. Everybody, if you're a younger audience member, the intent wasn't really around much. So, the very first sex scene I ever saw ever in my life was Xena on top, killing that Admiral guy in that bed with that whole ah shh, ah, oh meep, 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 and like the looking like and literally, I I didn't know what the hell I was watching. And literally, and my mum remembers this to this day, I literally, four-year-old me, just looked, turned to mum and said, Mummy, what are they doing? <laughs> she looked like, what the hell do I say? So she just said, shut up and watch the film. <laughs> but That's a good out, that is. Just yeah, ignore so you know, it
3: completely. I am not worry, mate. Smear's 44 and he messaged me earlier asking the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was me.
0: I oh, that because <laughs> no we one has that. sex
1: like that. No one no. has no. sex like that. No. I, in in the Senor, I can't <laughs> breathe. <laughs> you know what? Goldeneye is one of those important like moments in the Bond franchise. I say the same, like when Roger Moore took over, that allowed the series to continue going forwards. Um, you know, in a, you know, when they finally cast, you know, Sean Connery, because obviously we've mentioned this earlier, the Cold War had ended in between Licence to Kill Mm -hmm. and Goldeneye, there was a lot of discussion like, is Bond now irrelevant? You know, this was the film that was going to hopefully show that no Bond can carry on going. So it's a very important master. Obviously Albert R. Broccoli retired and got Barbara, who'd been working on the film since Moonraker to a degree. You know, she became a producer now, finally carrying it on. His words of wisdom was always go back to Fleming. It's all there in the world, in the books. Just always go back to Fleming if you're stuck. And to this day, she's actually still Done that in some form or whatever. Um, one thing I love about Pierce Brosnan, obviously, and let's just let's just get this away. Brosnan was my childhood bond. Okay, you know it's very clear now. He is my favorite. He's the one I grew up with. So I think there's an, under- an understandable sort of biased. Mm-hmm. But obviously, yeah. Dalton really wanted to get into more like you know he's not a Superman. He's very much a human character, and Brosnan. Did want to continue that, and to a degree, if you look at his first two well, actually, the first three films he did, he did try and continue that in a different way. So, when everyone talks about Daniel Craig being the more human bond, if you will, it really did start with Dalton, it got carried on in a different way by Brosnan, and then carried on again to Daniel mm-hmm. Craig. Because if you look into no, this film, one of my favorite moments of this film is for me, there's a bit like after the BMW driven, you know, they're on the beach just before the big finale. And Natalia, yeah. the girl, huh. goes to, like Bond says, you know, he was your friend. Yes, now he's your enemy. And now you're going to kill him. He goes, just, yes. He goes, how can you do that? How can you be so cold? How can you look at that? And he just says simply, it's what keeps me alive. It's a that sort of insight to me that is just so Bond. It's that mental state he has to be in that Brossen showed, I think, so well in his performance. Certainly the first three films. You know, I'm obviously referencing Dine of Day, which was a complete misstep. But he did so many other things, again, like in 20 of Dies, and there wasn't enough trying to show that different side of Bond. There's another See, reason why point, I just really liked him.
0: At that point of the beach scene, there where she's yeah. having a go at him, and I thought, fucking shut up, you only known him five minutes.
1: Goldeneye as well, just from another side of things, obviously, again, Kid of the 90s, it was a massive milestone mass when it came to pop culture and media. You know, Everyone talked to my generation about Goldeneye. You know, it was a massive thing. And then we were talking about earlier the game. We've got to talk about the game here. The Gold Nine Nintendo 64 game was one of the most influential, great. You know, you just stand the test. I mean, to this day, like, I know, I'm just trying to show you with my hand. I can imagine holding a Nintendo 64 controller. I know, like, going through that game, okay, I could do this blindfolded. A lot of Dolson's potential third. Bond film was sort of modified and drafted into Goldeneye. If I can just give some examples. Um, as we discussed earlier, the pre-tyre sequence was going to be set in Scotland. There was going to be a massive explosion in a robotics factory because the Property of a Lady was going to deal a lot with the robotics industry. There was a sense of a bit of like a Bond versus robots, but not like Terminator robots or anything like that. There was going to be right. a sort of Bond versus sort of slight, you know, machinery robots. There was also going to be it was also going to be very heavily set in China. You know, there was potentially going to be a ski chase in northern China. There was going to be potentially a motorcycle chase sequence along the Great Wall of China. And what you were going to get introduced in The Property of Lady was this actor called Den Crisp, who was going to be played by Sir Anthony Hopkins, who was meant to be Bond's mentor turned villain, but that got obviously turned into his best friend, Alec Trevelyan for Goldeneye. Yeah, right. um, That was going to happen. You're also the main Bond leading lady character. I can't remember the name just off the top of my head, but Essentially, what it was going to be was if you will be a Batwoman Catwoman sort of relationship, she was going to be a professional thief, and there was going to be that sort of if Bat- Batman is Bond, then this is going to be Catwoman essentially. And they would have gone through the film together, but it was essentially going to be a bit of Bond v Robot. Just reminded
3: well. me, On a Top just reminded me of that the girl in um Connery's Non Bond, Never Say Never Again. Yeah, oh, that's another uh, yeah, Fatima Blush. And I think I mentioned it during that film about mm. her later when we do this review. And it also reminded me of um uh what's his face? Uh in View to a Kill, um with the in the mine with the machine gun and him laughing as he's murdered oh, yeah. down. Chris for Walking. Chris for walking, yeah. walking, yeah, walking, yeah. And it, she's there, she's like, uh, like it's like some really sadistic sort of like getting massive pleasure out of it. And it was very yeah.
0: strange. Well- that was That's deliberately really... done that way. Yeah, sure a Lady,
1: I think, would have been an interesting film. That's that I'm sure about. What you, you know? Just from what I've said, what do, what's your your reactions to this potential property of a Lady film that could have been?
3: I don't know much about it. I I haven't really read much about it. It's hard for me to get
0: optimistic about things like that because I know how that you know the bonds have played out so far, and they just don't really do it do much for me. So it sounds intriguing. But I know if it come to reality, it'd be another Bond film. I'd just go, oh
1: yeah, it was all right. Well, you know what? I've, I've been saying this to a couple of people like in the um, Bond community online. Um, I'm sure you've heard that Amazon are buying Metro Gold and Mare yeah. I know. I think if they do do that, we were, we were saying one of the things we'd love to see is an animated version of The Property of Lady bring Timothy Dalton back and maybe just see like make an animated version of this unmade Bond film that what could have been. It's an interesting twist to what other options they might have.
2: Hmm. Well, I, I personally think Henry is that there was a big opportunity missed because to me, Dalton was just certain in, and you know I think his third movie would have made him as Bond. Yeah, he never got the chance to be like. Everyone underestimates him, underrates him as Bond. Quite a lot of people. Yeah, but didn't, wasn't, wasn't it his people... decision?
3: Wasn't it his decision not it to was do it? Was his
1: half and half.
2: Was, yeah, mm. It was, yeah, I'll say 50-50, like uh, Andrew says. I think if it was done in 91, he would have carried on. And I think GoldenEye would have been his uh, last one, maybe. It uh, would have been his fourth and last one. Uh, but he would have gone out with a big bang. People would have accepted him, saying, oh, he was good Bond, blah, blah. And they would have still been talking about him. Mm-hmm. But now, every time we talk about Bond, they talk about Tim Dalton, and they say, we're mm, not sure.
1: Dalton was Head ahead of his, of his time. time. I liked him as Bond, yeah. Um, you know, he is again, he's like my second favourite James Bond, if I'm honest. You know, he beats um Sean Connery for me. I know that might sound heresy to some people, but you know, it's just you know, just the way it is. I mean, license to kill, I mean, I know I wasn't there for your review, but I, you know, literally as soon as it came up on YouTube, I literally instantly started watching it because I was loving to hear what you guys all said about License to Kill. I mean, that film I remember scared the crap out of me as a kid, but it has one of the best villains. I think, of the whole series of all time in that film.
0: Yeah. Before we move on with that, and you mentioned Amazon have bought MGM and all that kind of stuff now. Um, to the Bond fans out there, Amazon brought you the reimagined Cinderella. That's all I'm saying.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I,
2: know you, I know what you're I know what you thinking, Buck. I'm not going to comment on it. Yeah. Well,
1: and also, is. and also... Austin's going to be in Black Adam this year, so that'll make up for yeah. it. Yeah,
3: and also didn't Disney, you know, take over, you know, Star Wars? That quite happened there and all. (laughs) Mm.
1: Yes. Everybody, listen. (laughs) Everyone is entitled to their own opinion. You know, this is a free world. My opinion is my own. But the one big, big issue with the pros and Era, I have more than kite surfing. (laughs) <laughs> yeah and it's just every about? Time yeah. <laughs> i'm <laughs> sorry the one issue i have is the bloody bmws the bane of bond's car history they look disgusting beyond belief they are and i know I, i'm insulting my fiance here but they're hairdressers cars they're not cool suave sophisticated cars bmws are literally people who drive them saying i am a man with less than one inch between my legs you know i've had about, is about what as BMW many, tells I've about many bmws as your BMWs age said, Henry. <laughs> The BMW Z3 in God's Eye is dreadful. Q has this great scene where this says, "Behind the headlights, Stinger missiles." We don't even see it. We don't even see it. It's useless in the but, film. But that is, but that is but actually something
3: only... quite common with the BMWs. I agree with you. They don't show no Stinger missiles. Z3. That's the that's the three liter Z3 that they feature in that film. Um, but they don't show it very much. And of course, similarly in the next film or the one after you see the, the very iconic concept, um, oh, Z8. Z8. Um, which I was just
2: going to say. Which
1: immediately gets cut in half, which I will is admit, a bit of a shame. But, of I mean, course, you see the, the first, 750. Yeah. I will admit this. The BMW in World's Not Enough, out of all the BMWs, so, is the best looking.
3: The that car is
1: super sexy. Well, actually, I'm it not,
3: wasn't the 750. Yeah. It was a 740 with a 750 IL badge mm-hmm. on the back. But anyway, we'll, we'll gloss
2: yeah, over that I. I agree with Henry. The Z8 was the best-looking uh, BMW. Uh, he wasn't a bloody executive, was he? Going, mm-hmm. uh, I'm going to go to my office, and my secretary going to make me a coffee in a bit, uh, and I'll drive my BMW up to uh, my office in Central London. He was a spy. You he don't drive BMWs as a spy.
3: I, I, I will admit. I will admit the Z, the Z3 <laughs> no, no. is a bit of a is a bit of a hairdresser's car. They, which is why they launched the Z4. Hold on, you're in sewing hairdressers, mate.
2: Keep
0: on
3: saying no, hairdresser,
2: hairdresser.
3: no, they are yeah. hairdressers' cars, in the same way as Audi TTs are hairdressers' cars, mate. For somebody yeah. who's owned more BMWs and Audi's than than most people, all right? I'm 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 an authority on this one, right? And I've got the That's Z4. That's what he says. The Z4 is not so much a hairdresser's car because they launched it purposely not to have that but i will tell you something about the z4 is most of them that i
1: see are driven by old men with glasses yeah i'll tell you something else something else that's affected the zeitgeist of my generation okay when it comes to my section if you will you know the exploding pen you know the free clicks yeah, the oh, yeah. Yeah. to this day i know from my generation if you have one of those pens and I do it at work. People notice that I do it at work. I'm literally just working, and they go one, two, one, two, three, one, two, three.
0: Can anyone tell me why there was a, a DB five at the beginning of this film? And then we switched to BMW. Well, that was
2: because it was uh, to uh, tell tell people Bond's back. It was like, okay, he's been away. He was away for five years or six years off screen, and that's why they're saying, you know, they'll try to get a connection between this and Goldfinger. That this is the same person, same character. But he's been away for oh. so long. That's it. Okay. that was one of the reasons. So why BMW then?
1: Because they paid the money. BMW to, um, signed have a multi-million pound uh,
2: contract deal. Uh, I mean, technically, if you, you want to, to
1: talk be- about that, here's a fact for you. You know, obviously the pre tile sequence in *Goldeneye* is set nine years before the actual events of the movie. Technically, that happens before *The Living Daylights*. Yeah. Yes. True, it does.
0: Uh, right. Okay. So generally, I mean, Pierce Brosnan as Bond, I mean, obviously we know where you stand with this, Henry, but everyone else? Uh,
3: I, I'm, I've said this a long time ago. Um, uh, Pierce Brosnan for me was when I started to really get into Bond. So it's the first Bonds that I watched was Pierce Brosnan Bonds. I got into the, you know, I watched the previous ones after. Paul, you and I started a marathon years ago uh, on, on the Bond films, but only got so far until Life Changes took place mm. um, and uh, I, I think I think Brosnan's presence I think uh, we haven't talked about Robbie Coltrane um, either uh, yet and and I think I just like Piers Brosnan's presence I, I love the bit and I've got to stand up to do this bit I love the bit on the yacht where he, where he's on that yacht and he gets to that oh, door yeah. and he goes with a door it's like he gets a proper stance and pulls it it's like an Ace Ventura oh, oh, oh. <laughs> You're a wizard, James. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, but his whole presence, you know, where he's in that uh, grave, you know, in the sort of, you know, the Soviet graveyard. And he hears that noise and, and he just, he very, he comes, he sort of jockeys and pulls the gun out. Sort of, and, you know, with his back arched, like an, ar- like an archery. And it was like, his presence, I don't know, I just, I like his presence on screen. I think he's a great reinvention of Bond. Mm. He modernised
1: it very well for yeah. the time. Yeah.
3: I I'm out of breath now, I've done that door thing, getting old fucking...
0: Samir, what do you reckon on Piers Brosnan?
2: Okay. I'm going to say he he did well done to him because he revived. Because if Goldeneye had flopped, Daniel Craig would have never played Bond because that would have been in it. So I'm going to say well done for that. But after... Going and watching the movies again. To me, overall, it's just he, Nah. he's okay. He's not brilliant. I, I, I don't know. There's too much. The it's Bond is becoming soft in his movies. I personally think it was like Dalton. I, as I said in the last movie, I became a big fan after watching doing reviews of the Dalton movies. And when you change it to him, Pierce Brosnan you can tell there's a completely different way of doing it. It's more softer. Yeah, he doesn't have a duck on his Uh, head. No, but neither does... uh,
1: No, no, I think you've got a valid point. I think you've got a valid point because Brosnan very much was going in a different direction. He was trying to be... He was trying to be more human as Bond, but he was trying to, at the same time, because the franchise show would be, if you will, an amalgamation of all the previous Bonds put together. So he tried to do some Connery. He tried to put in some more into it as well. So I think when you say he's gone softer, that does make sense because I think obviously, again, let's look back. Remember like living down and License kill weren't, should we say the most well received? No, no time, you know, okay, this isn't working. Go back to this.
2: Well, what I have to say, Henry, and I've told the the other guys that uh, before we did the reviews of Dalton's movies, he was, he was my least favorite, but after watching that, I wish he had done more movies. Mm. It's because Pierce Brosnan, I think, went too soft and Die Another Day, his last one, mucked up his legacy as well. He wasn't he as bad. Pete, he deserves. A, he deserved a better ending. He deserved one more movie because of that as well. Um, and people compare him to Daniel Craig and say, oh, Craig's 100 times better, but they have to realise, although he's not my favourite Bond, it was him with GoldenEye that Helped him do these movies Otherwise if GoldenEye had flopped And he had flopped That's it The studios would have said Goodbye James Bond It's over So in that sense Yeah I'm in the middle uh, With Bosnan He's not the best But he's not the worst That goes to Unfortunately Sir Roger So I'm going to be On the fence on him I'll be uh, Frank and Honest
3: Oh Frank and Honest is it Frank and Honest Making an entrance Every week He eventually gets there Yeah (laughs) Right (laughs)
0: Um, mine's very very simple actually with Piers Brosnan as soon as he was hanging upside down in that bog that toilet cubicle and says sorry I forgot to knock I thought Roger Moore 2.0 fuck this guy Yeah. and the quips the one liners in this film I just like oh god this is like Roger Moore again no I don't like it you've gone from Timothy Dalton that was playing it kind of serious and a bit aggressive in parts and stuff and very straight to hanging upside down in the toilet cubicle. Sorry, I forgot to knock. No, no. Don't like it. <laughs> Don't fucking like it. So it's just lines on
1: you know the guys.
0: I've got, I've got a big note in my notes in front of me that just says smug cunt exclamation mark. Because it was, it was like, again, you
3: know, doing everything with a yeah. little
0: sort of smile at the end. And I thought, oh God, here we go.
3: I think it was also like that, that one he did and he said, oh, shut the door, there's a draft. You know, it's like you felt yeah. like there was somebody there that you really worked with and trusted. But
1: I don't know. That was for me. Again, I get where Paul's coming from because, as I say, he was trying mm. to sort of carry on that bit of Roger Moore. And I think they were hoping that how he could be so badass in the action sequences a bit, that it would counterbalance it. Mm. Now, for me, it worked. Mm. Obviously, for Paul, did not. Fair enough. But as you say, smug, that word. Um <laughs> see the problem you know, is Bond was you smug that word in the store in the books. Um he was. <laughs> and I I I really do get where you're coming from because you're not alone. i I have um a friend at work you know he likes he likes Bond, not to not to my so we say, you know, anorak of geekness, but, you know so sort of said, the thing I couldn't stand with, with Pierce with Piers Brosnan was I just felt at times he was trying to play it one way. And then he was trying to play it to another. Now I don't know mm. if it was the scripts that he was given, but they could never decide properly, fully which direction he was going to go. Yeah. And I think that's perfectly explained in what you just said.
0: There's a scene where he was in that prison cell with the, uh, the woman, uh, Natasha, Natalia, whatever. And he was really forceful with her about, tell me what you know, and I might be able to help you. And I thought, okay, I like that direction. It's kind of, I guess I just like the sort of the serious side of Bond rather than this stupid mm. little jocular kind of character that Roger Moore was. And it just, it, it takes it, I, I lose, um, what's the word? I'm, not, I, I'm just not invested in it. You know, it, it breaks mm. the immersion for me. And that's what I was looking for. Immersion breaking, these stupid little things because you just wouldn't. If you used to kill mm. someone mm. or push someone
1: over the edge of a cliff or something, you're going to go,
0: Enjoy your trip. Uh, you're just not. I
2: uh...
1: Send us a postcard. <laughs> yes, just... Again, he did do that a bit in the novels because Bond always had a very dark wit. Sometimes when he killed someone
2: yeah, but very, it was very, very, yeah, very red. Yeah, day. I just don't like it. It's like yeah, but... <laughs> he <laughs> did that. He at did that. At the so end I'm not, then, I'm not
1: trying to. Say, I'm not trying to defend. Like, say, no, you're wrong. Sincerely, oh, didn't, with didn't. all my heart, I'm not trying to do that. Uh, no, all no all I'm
3: right. It's just my <laughs> opinion. <laughs> but he did. That, he did well, that at the end when he when he let him go. He said, no, for me. And he let him go. That was a very dark mm. side of Bond, wasn't it? He said, "Oh, for England, but James." Like it... He meant no for me, and then let him go.
0: But if Bond was played the way that I would like it to be played, these these films would be eighteen rated. They wouldn't yeah. be PG thirteen. So that's Definitely. yeah, that's why. It, yeah, yeah. I just prefer yeah. the more serious sort of movies. On a lighter note, can I just ask a question? Yeah. Is what is it with Russians in these films? In massive rooms. With little, yeah,
3: so no soft furnishings <laughs> and no case plugging anything in. <laughs> yeah, you
0: just got that table in the middle of that massive room. Well, Again. don't forget
2: at the time. Don't forget at the time uh, the Soviet Union had collapsed. It'd been only three years. There was loads of corruption, and the country an was bankrupt. And yeah, and there was an IKEA and um, Russia was in it on its knees. And that's why this story was about how. Actually, even the defence minister could get killed by a general and he would get away with it. That wouldn't have happened in the Soviet Oh, Baptiste. We need to mention Baptiste. Yeah, Baptiste. Yeah, 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 brilliant. Bad bad boys. boys. Yeah, Yeah, bad boys, yeah. Great Great actor. Great actor. Brilliant actor.
0: I love him. Should we score this then? Who wants to go first then?
1: Oh, I think we should let Guest go first. All right, guys, um, look, there's no surprise <laughs> here, but, you know, even Paul <laughs> knows it's coming. But GoldenEye <laughs> receives a full solid 10 out of 10 for me. Part of what I think it is a great spy film, a great agencies, and great characters, GoldenEye is the film that not only got me into James Bond, but got me into loving movies as a whole. So when you've got a film that's that important to you, that much yeah. of an emotional connection, you can't give it anything else but a 10. Now, I fully accept Goldeneye is, in that sense, it can never be beaten in one sense. Skyfall came close for me, you know, into potentially beating Goldeneye. But for those reasons, you know, again, Goldeneye got me into loving films, Bond, introduction to Blockbuster, into video games, help me get into video games as well. You know, I think it's understandable this time, very much it's a solid 10 out of 10 for me.
3: Fair play. Fair enough.
1: Mm,
0: okay.
3: Um I'll yeah, I'll go next. Um in, in some ways the same as, as Henry, uh for similar reasons. Um I'm giving it a an eight uh for all its faults. It, it for me it was the start of my getting really keen into Bond. Of course I knew who Bond was and Bond movies through parents and all the rest of it, but it was the first one really that I that I got into. And ninety-five was quite a pinnacle year, leaving school, starting college, as Samir alluded to, meeting you guys and I can and the N64 game GoldenEye, um, I, I I just enjoyed playing. I didn't have that sort of thing. Paul was my go-to, but I, he had all this stuff. I didn't. I wasn't allowed it. I was, very different upbringing, and it was one of the first games that I can remember.
0: <laughs> more,
3: yeah, really, really getting into and 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 playing. I, and, and that that game for me, I and I, I this is how sad, right? Last night I spent an hour, yes, that's right, an hour, okay, watching a YouTube video of the N64 game. Um walk somebody playing it and walking through it. And I still remembered every detail. Do you, are
1: you looking forward to the remaster coming?
3: I, I mean I don't play computer games. I, I I don't I simply don't have time for it anymore. Mm. but if I were going to play a computer game and I could play and, and I could play GoldenEye, I probably would find the time to play that game. Mm.
0: So my score all right, is a six. This film was just... That's
3: not bad for you.
0: Yeah, it's all right. It's, it's not awful. It's, it's all right. I like the tanks. <clears throat> I thought that was pretty mm. good. I like the way that the tanks go around corners and the back end of it is somehow sliding. I was like, how the fuck did they do that with a tank? <laughs> I thought that was pretty impressive. Um but I don't have any real emotional attachment to this film, just... It's all right. It's all right.
2: That's it? Okay. Now, guys... Minus four. No, it's not going to be minus or anything like that. It's going to be a five, but I'll tell you why. To me, this was the beginning of the end for me, for Bond, in the sense of really, really thinking it was a Bond. It became more of an action uh, sort of thing. The Cold War was over, so, I think the movies, this movie specifically, to me, it was boring, basically, to me, at places. And I always said that even when I first watched it, I thought, oh, my God, this is not Bond. What's going on? And it's just Pierce Bosman. Sorry, guys, but after we've had Daniel Craig and Pierce Brosnan, you know, the two guys, looked at Pierce and said, nah, he's too soft, he's trying to mix things up. I would have liked him to be more rougher and tougher, and I wish Tim Dalton actually was still born at that point. I don't know if I'm being sentimental, because to me, the last ever of Bond, which was a lot of fun for me personally, was in the 80s. Up to 89, I really, really enjoyed it, and there was a meaning to it as well for me, to James Bond. It was related to world events up to a point as well where, yeah, you were fighting the Soviets. There was a Cold War. Uh, The drug things happened during the 89, 90 in the George Bush senior's presidency where they went to parts of Central America and South America and got rid of some leaders who were involved in it and Pablo Escobar was getting sorted out down there. With this, this was like trying... What had happened to Russia, but at the same time, a story which, in my opinion, was relevant but wasn't. So uh, what you're saying I is, you think... would have
3: liked it if the Cold War had continued.
2: No, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. Yeah, saying that. yeah. Uh, it might so it, anyway it would have been too. more
3: interesting if it had carried on and hadn't collapsed. What? So what was more significant? <laughs> The end of Bond or the end of the...
0: <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, I might be wrong on this, but I think I know where Samir's coming from, is yeah. the fact that this movie was not really based on anything, really. It was just kind of yeah. this that's what... sort of contrived story for the sake of having a story. It wasn't, you know, East and West well, and all
3: that. It, indeed, even to the point, point. where, of course, uh, yeah, Valentin v- v- uh, uh, uh Robbie Coltrane, was an ex-KGB agent gone... Uh, opening his, you know, launching his own faction, if you like. And of course, you see him later on uh, almost sort of becoming friends with with Bond. So, <clears throat> yeah, because it's all broken down, these people are off doing different things. And you've got splinter cells, if you like, you know, going mm-hmm. off and, you know, almost, um, it's almost a bit like uh, some people refusing to believe the war is over, you know, that it's still going. So, therefore, we've still got to be very USSR, even though it's gone. Right, so we've got a 10,
0: we've got an 8, we've got a 6 and a 5.
3: Yeah.
0: Okay, well, you know, across the board scores. Not awful, though. I thought Sunil was going to go a lot worse than 5. I,
1: I thought you were as well. Mm. Yeah. But I get, I get well, what you're saying well, with when it comes to action. In the Brosnan era, action sort of became more of what the series was about, more than spy thriller. I think, as you say, they threw everything but the kitchen sink at it. And as I say, I think actually, you know, even I can admit this, in the Brosnan era... They were trying to work out where the series can have its footing now. I fully like, I think that's fair mm-hmm. enough. Um fair observation. I think Goldeneye, if I'm fine, I think is the la is the only, if you will, spy thriller of Brosnan's era. Tomorrow never dies well enough and Dynaday are certainly not spy thrillers. Okay. All right. Well, um
0: Henry, is there anything more you want to add? We just want to talk about this? pleasure
1: being here again thank you for having me it's always great to talk about this film this particular film more than others
0: right well thanks to Henry for coming back on it's always a pleasure to have him on and his enthusiasm on bond related subjects you know because um
1: some of us here
0: are not too enthusiastic about bonds so it's quite nice to get that opposite side of things um right well what's left to say uh 10 discount on sis training gear stuff uh, I'll put the link in the description so you can go and help them out, we don't get anything for that but you can help them out um, follow us on social media, we're on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and just about everything you can think of and you can find our videos all over the place uh, we're on Facebook and BitShoot and all these other obscure websites that you may or may not have ever heard of I think that's about it from me yeah I think we're done on this one so
3: goodbye from me goodbye from me goodbye from me ta